Hello and welcome back to Songs in the Key of Life, where each episode we spend time with a different person, any person, from anywhere to find out what are their top five songs of all time and why they've chosen them. I'm Al Reader today, I'm with journalist, newsreader, choir leader and live music devotee. Hi Tam. Hello Al. Obligatory warm-up question, how much mental apologising did you need to do to the songs <laughs> and artists necessarily left out of this list? Look, it's so hard to curate a list of five. So even because it's not necessarily themed here. No. So what I've looked for is songs that have kind of summed up an era of my life, if you like. Yeah. And when I hear them, they transport me immediately back to where I was when I was listening to them or where I first heard them. Great. So it's a time-travelling kind of top five. It is time-travelling and there are many hundreds of other songs that I do love and that are on the playlists and things that I give to friends. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no apologies today. Great, great. No, no, we have to, we have to kill our darlings, so that's <laughs> what we've done. Great. All right, well, fire off. First one, artist, song, tell me the story. All right, this band is now going under the name of Crazy P. But when I first heard this song, sometime in the 90s, I dare say, in Brisbane, where I grew up, they went by the name of Crazy Penis, which was, you know, kind of funny yeah. at the time when you're yeah. in your early 20s. Uh, and I really liked this song because it samples a song from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yep, great. The track is called There's a Better Place. And it's quite long. I really liked the build and then the payoff in yes. this song. And I, in my Suzuki Swift... Right, the 90s. <laughs> 90s, it was a really old one. Spearmint Green, uh, three-door hatchback. Nice. I would punish the speakers in that little tiny capsule of a car, yeah. cram as many of my friends into the back of it as possible and drive from you know one house party to the next. And that was the soundtrack of that time. And in the years after that, I've actually seen this band several times live. I encountered them first at a music festival. They're huge on the music yeah, festival. Yeah, it felt like that sort of a track. Yeah, and they, they, I think they're from Nottingham, but they have a really big following in Australia because of their, you know, constant summers of festivals. Yeah. Uh, and on stage, they are super dynamic. I think you have to be at a festival because generally you'll capture a lot of potential music fans that may never have heard of you before as a band. So the um, singer, the female vocalist in this band, her name's Danielle Moore, she comes out in these incredible outfits. There's two, sometimes three costume changes in a show, which I'm always a fan oh, of. Oh, yeah, great. And she's all dancing, all action, high kicks all the time. <laughs> right. So that, that particular... That alone is enough. It is. They're really fun to watch. Not just at a festival, in a festival environment, but I've been to see them at smaller gigs as well. And it's just always a good time. Yeah. It feels like a. Um, it could be also a recovery track, you know, the, the day after, the mm. night before, in the, after, the second day of the festival. True. It's quite gentle. Yes. But then when it finally drops, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It makes it, And it takes me to that place. It's and it kind of goes from pretty consistent beat into something quite funky for the second half of the track. So it kind of like, oh, now I'm in. Yeah. Oh, now I'm really in. Totally. It, that journey's great. 
they do have a little bit of a soul leaning as well. So, I mean, I've listened, this isn't the only song of theirs that I like. I've listened to all of their albums. I've been a bit of a tragic fan of theirs for years. And because of lockdown, obviously, or the pandemic, they've not been able to travel. Yeah. So they're absolutely killing it on the touring circuit in the UK at the moment. But they aren't, God knows when we'll get to see them again here. It feels like that's the last thing to come back almost, the, the big festival, isn't it? Yeah, Although, it does. I don't know, if you're getting people to the football and the cricket, then you've got to be able to get people to a festival. There are some tentative festivals going ahead mm. for next year. So WOMAD apparently is going ahead. Okay. So I've got tickets to that. Great. That'll be excellent. I still can't quite believe that I'll be able to go just yet. Yes, yeah, you know, until you're there. I've got planning paralysis. It's still a dream a little bit. <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, there are some tentatively going ahead and booking acts, but, of course, they're all local, yeah. which is a good thing. Absolutely, support, support local. Um, all right, great start. Track two, tell me this one. Track two uh, takes us back. This is not in chronological order, sadly, but track two takes me back to my teen years. Same. Oh, good. Well, we're roughly the same age, aren't we? Roughly. Uh, I'm a little bit younger than you are. Yes, you are. Yeah. Thank you for pointing um, that out. Blister in the Sun by The Violent Femmes. Just so good. killer track. But also one of those songs, for so many years, I had the lyrics wrong when I was belting it out on a dance floor. <laughs> okay, I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> in this song? Not this one, but many others. <laughs> I mean, the other one was Alex the Seal, and I always thought that was Alex the Seal, embarrassingly. Uh, devastated that it's not. I'm having a moment that I still think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry to break that to you, Al. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so Blister in the Sun, um, best high school dance floor song because it gets everybody into it. Yep. Everyone thinks they knows, know the words and they will sing it at the top of their lungs. There's clapping, there's dancing, there's a bit in the middle where you've got to do it really quietly and everybody gets down onto their haunches. Yeah. And then instead of let me go wild, just a tip, that's not the lyrics. Right. It's yep. let me go on. Yes. And then everybody jumps up and in a chorus will scream the, the, the chorus of that song, which is brilliant. Heaps of fun. And so that's a song that has endured right through my life. My best mate Tash and I take our kids on holidays every summer holidays to Bowen Heads. And what... The Airbnb that we were staying in for a number of years had a, a sound system and a collection of CDs. Right. And that's a fun thing about a holiday house is just having a little look through What's what in the their local collection, collection of music yeah. is. And they have the greatest hits for Violent Femmes. Oh. And so our kids, all of them are boys, our kids put it on one day, came across this song, and that became the morning song for the whole week that were away over a number of years. Oh, so, so every good. morning they'd put it on, absolutely... Crank it. Cranked to the highest volume. Yeah. And we'd all dance along to it. They'd probably sing the, the wrong lyrics as well. Doesn't matter. burst their bubbles. Just, just up and about. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that always, always brings back good memories. Yeah, and then it's a belter on, an, on, on their best of album. There are so many that I could have chosen for today's recording, yeah, but that's probably the enduring favourite. There's something about the Violent Femmes, it's because it's, it's really basics, kind of garage band, yeah. rock, mm. pop, yep. almost spoken vocals, not quite, but sometimes a little bit. Spoken, but importantly, you can yell them. Yes. So if you ever listen to them in your car, 
it's the best place to listen to the Violent Femmes, I think. So something like Kiss Off, yeah. you can really just absolutely let it go. And quite often I would listen to that album on my way to work during lockdown of 2020 and 2021 because uh, I had to go into work for my role. Uh, and that would be just a really good circuit breaker. I would have spent the morning doing remote learning and anyone who had to do that will understand just how tedious and trying that could <laughs> actually needed be a bit of a kiss times. off after that. I did need a kiss off. I needed a song with high profanity yeah. and ability to yell. Yeah. So stopping at traffic lights was always quite interesting because I did not wind it back at no, all. No, in fact, you probably increased it a little. <laughs> I did, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, classic band and excellent song. Yeah, that's a great choice. And I, I have to confess that I like to play the bass line of this because it's well, it's just a really funky bass line. So yeah. my family are completely sick of me go-do-do-do-do-do-do all the time. Yeah, but all they don't the join time. in with a clap. Yes, they do. Oh, good. They do. Actually, that's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to change mood a little bit now and get into, I don't know, some more serious areas. Would that be fair? Serious. Um, sure. I mean, I'm trying to give you a, a broad cross-section here in Five Songs Tricky, but um, yeah. Meet Me in the Middle of the Air is a song that it's a very big change of pace from the previous two that we've spoken about. Mm. This is a song that's really special to me. So whenever I hear it kind of claws at my heart a little bit. But Melts a, you a bit. In a good way, yeah. yeah. So how much backstory do you want? Bring it. The first time I heard this song was when it was performed at the memorial service for the great John Clark. Okay. And it was performed by Paul Kelly mm. and I think Vicar and Linda Bull were doing Back backing up. vocals yeah. for him. And it was an emotional service and commemoration but that I was sitting on a plane listening to the whole thing um, going to visit my parents in Queensland and it completely brought me undone <laughs> so as happens with me generally I will hear something that I like and then do a huge deep dive obsess over it listen to it constantly, listen to all of the different iterations. Read the lyrics. Have, read the lyrics. <laughs> Get them right. Do all of the research. <laughs> yeah. Overthink the heck out of it, yeah. basically. Um, so, and then it, that song just kept coming up mm. in my life. One night I was up feeding my then teeny tiny baby, my youngest, um, in the middle of the night and I was watching some music show on iview and... Megan Washington did a live version of it. And okay. again, it was just that spine-tingling just quality of the song. It is just so beautiful. Obviously, her voice is unbelievably beautiful. Um, but again, it sort of took me back to that sort yeah. of place. Then a few years ago, uh, somebody really close to me died from breast cancer, my cousin Natalie, who was basically... We were like sisters. Yeah. And as she was in her final days, um, I was visiting her in hospital and uh, she had asked me to sing her a song. And she was sort of floating in and out of consciousness at that point. And I knew this song because I had listened to it Studied so many it. times. Yeah. <laughs> and so I sang it to her and she kind of opened an eye at one point and went, can you make sure that's played at my funeral, please? <laughs> and I was oh, like, that's sure, beautiful. I sure can. Um, so, 
So there's that element of it. Of course. Um, and it's also the song that I sing to my kids at night as mm. well. And we do that to remember Nat too. So it's sort of sung with joy and happiness, not mm. sadness and tears. Yep. Uh, and as soon as I sing that sort of opening refrain, the kids, I can feel them just sort of relax into their mattresses and settle in. Yeah, wow. Sometimes they'll join in. It's just a really special song. It's almost a bit of a, a touchstone sonically for me. Yeah, absolutely. It, kind of, it sounds like it roots you a bit. It grounds you in yeah, something. it really does. Uh, and you mentioned in the intro that I am a choir leader. Um, I just need to say choirs can be cool, all right? It's not. People think choir and oh, I go, no. oh, gosh, here we go, a bunch of middle-aged, middle-aged women. No, we're busted out violent <laughs> femmes. We're out of Paul Kelly. It's all good. Uh, so... The song, because the song has special meaning for me, one of the women in the choir wrote an arrangement for it. Wow. And we have performed it live and it's just amazing. It, yeah, so I like that this song keeps popping up yeah. in my life in really positive ways. I think even for someone who doesn't have the association you do, it's, it's straight away, it's very intimate. It is. The song itself mm. kind of reminds me of African-American spirituals. Yeah. You know, those old, really, that like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, really going back, back, back. Yeah, because it's a cappella as well. Yeah. And there's nowhere to hide when you're singing in that style with mm. no accompaniment whatsoever. And the voices surrounding Paul Kelly yeah. are utterly exquisite. Eddie Perfect and Tripod have done a version of it too, which is worth looking up. Yeah. It's stunning. Yeah, great. I also think a bit like... Um, well, I think if you're if you're born in Melbourne and lived a lot of time in Melbourne, Paul Kelly is arguably the um, uh, the lyricist or the songwriter of your life because mm-hmm. you know he's older than us, but mm-hmm. not heaps. So that when you're a teenager, he came on the scene and he's been producing material ever since. He has, but he has a really unbelievably clever knack of staying relevant. Yeah, he's never sort of been left behind. He works with a lot of up and coming artists, even now. Yeah, um, and he's so eclectic from, from as well. Little things, big things grow is an yeah. example where that's sort of been turned on its head in yeah. recent times and really brought into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good choice. Great to have him in here. Are these curated? Is there an order for you or is it just, as you said at the start, is it just a... My job involves trying to find flow in an order. So even though these aren't in chronological order, I came out with a bang and uh, then I sort of brought you down. Yeah. And now I'm going to get a little bit of... It's it's called light and shade, Al. Yeah, great. (laughs) Now I'm going to crank it up a little bit. And possibly tell you a little bit about myself with this next one as well. Well, I can't imagine how you wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Far away. All right. Song number four is Bust a Move by Young MC. How could it not be? Well, you say that, but I think you need to explain that. No, you need to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let me start by saying I think everybody needs a party trick in their life. And Bust a Move is probably my party trick in terms of the song, not in terms of the action. Um, It is a song that I know all of the lyrics to. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot. I know them all and in order. I can do it with or without the song. (laughs) That is my my party trick. 
You've got to be careful with the party trick, though, how many times you wheel it out because yes. you can take the shine off it. Yep. It needs an element of surprise. It needs to be fresh for you, too. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Although at my age, I don't know if I'm up to learning a new all of the lyrics of a song like that. Fair enough. But it's in, it's, it's in your DNA, so you, you're, it is. you're done. It is. So when I was 13, um, there was a girl who I caught the, the, bu- the school bus with called Messina Richards, and we <laughs> became quite good mates. Her family was into camping on school holidays like mine was and I went camping with her family once and I think it was at Stradbroke Island or somewhere like that on the coast of Queensland. And we were sitting in the back of her dad's four-wheel drive ute as he fished, you know, up and down the beach and we'd, you know, chuck all the stuff back into the back of the tray and then drive to the next fishing spot. And she and I weren't much interested in that, but we did have a boombox in the back with a tape of Young MC Buster Move. So we spent the entire afternoon. So we would hit play, stop and rewind and jot down all of the lyrics until we had all of them. And then it just became a matter of repeating constantly. Yeah. And over the year, that's just stuck in my brain. Yeah. I'll forget people's names sometimes, oh, but yeah. I can remember all of the lyrics yeah. to that particular song. And of course, it still gets a run. Yeah. On dance floors or at parties. And there's a certain uh, demographic, let's be honest, there's that it will age. just mobilise the troops <laughs> with such Anyone force. who was a teenager in the 90s, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, so people will either look at you with pity or be impressed. There's not a lot of middle ground. Right. <laughs> I've found. <laughs> but who cares at that point? I really don't. Yeah. And, um, and I love it. It's just... Fun. I've seen Young MC in concert in recent years. I went oh, to one of those before COVID. I went to one of those nostalgia gigs at um, Rod Laver Arena. So there was Tone Loke, Young MC. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> some boy 90s band. 90s hip hop. Yeah, some boy band all wearing matching outfits. I can't remember their name. Salt and Pepper. Great. Just killed it. Absolutely killed yeah. it. And Vanilla Ice. That was mm. actually I've got to say, yeah, it was uh, the look on most people's faces watching that was one of bewilderment. Yeah, <laughs> but young MC came out. He's I don't know how old he'd be now. Fifties, maybe nudging sixty. Yeah, there's a fair bit of young MC too. He's sort of quite tubby, but he came out in his um, he came out in a very tight fitting Socceroos jersey. <laughs> okay, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yeah. And he's just the showman. So, you know, you were saying people of a certain vintage before you were saying it in a much kinder way. Um, everybody knew who he was playing to. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. so much fun. And yep. not at all disappointing. Tone like I found a bit gross. But, and, and yeah, um, vanilla ice. Well, what's quite refreshing about this one as well is it's, it's, no, it's not explicit. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard to find hip-hop these days that isn't explicit. It is. And, and there's certain songs in it. There's certain lyrics in it that even if you don't know all of the words, you'll know snippets. So yes. as soon as somebody says, she's dressed in yellow, she you says said, hello, you know next. what yeah. comes Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that one is, that's, I don't know them all, but that I certainly know. Oh, totally. And mm. you'll be unabashed in just yelling that out yeah. if you're on a dance floor at a party. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there, there's some good um, sort of uh, tidbits on this song because the Flea from Chili Peppers played the bass. Did in this he? track, oh. yes, he God, did. I can't believe I didn't know so that. So Aussie Flea. 
<laughs> and and I, I can't remember the name of the the female vocalist, but that's iconic too. The, mm. the the breaks in between all of the verses. Exactly, because if you don't know the rap, yeah, you just sing. You along just got with that, her. yeah. And it's you, even if you don't know those words, you're just like, it's different. I'm singing it. <laughs> no matter. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. And in fact. I've been on dance floors with my colleagues, for example, and there's people in my workplace who are a lot younger than me, and they'll give it a crack too. Yeah. Well, a good beat's going to get anyone going if they've got half a brain. Okay, great, great track. Number five, tell us, final one. Final one. This is from one of my favourite bands. So choosing... A favourite song is like choosing a favourite child from Hot yeah, Chip, I find. You've got to choose your favourite children eventually. You do. Um, over and Over was the one that I landed on because, again, not dissimilar to Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes, this is sort of my go-to Hot Chip song, Yep. even though there's a whole range that I absolutely adore. Um when I've been asked to choose favourite songs in the past, this one always comes up. Okay. If I ever make a mixtape for anyone over yeah, the years, this is on it. This is on it. Okay, so this was the, probably the first one on the list here. Yeah. 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 Um, but I've saved it to last because I love it. And it also is a reminder for me of how the world can be when it's operating normally. Yeah. So yeah. Hot Chip were the last live gig that I went to before... Melbourne was locked down. Right. It was like the week before. It was around the same time that the Melbourne Grand Prix was cancelled. Yes. So everybody knew, oh, God, this is serious. They're cancelling massive money-making events. Um, So there was a feeling that night at the forum of this may well be the last big dance that we get. (laughs) And I went with my best mate, Tash, who is my partner in crime in terms of live music gigs. We are the kind of gig-goers who set alarms on our phone for when tickets are going on sale. Yes, and important. Yeah, synchronise phones and watches and then whoever the can get best tickets, get them, get them <laughs> yeah, fast. That's right. Yeah. And whoever can get them first will message a screenshot of, yeah. the, picture of the ticket. Woohoo! We're going. Um, so that, we went on her birthday. It was an excellent time. We were literally in the front row right down next to the stage. And when they played this song, there were so many highlights from that (laughs) night, but when they played this song, the entire crowd at the forum erupted and strangers were hugging, had their arms around each other, were singing and dancing. And I have a video of that particular moment. And both Tash and I have watched it throughout the months ever since. Just revisiting. Revisiting, but also looking forward to a time that we can do that again. Because we have now before COVID and, and trying to get to after COVID, right? Yeah. Everywhere. But and, and I sort of feel like live events, that sort of thing you're describing is the ultimate collective experience. It is. And the reason I love going to live gigs is that you can be surrounded by thousands of people watching the same thing, but everyone's having a different experience with it. Yeah. And it's emerged during lockdown and it's occurred to me that, okay, I am a big crowd person. I didn't realise that before it was forbidden, (laughs) essentially, from a health perspective. Um, So the very notion of being in a big crowd, watching music again, is something that I'm really excited about. I've got lots of tickets. Have you? Yeah, Yeah. I do. I'm just... 
now waiting with bated breath to see if it all goes ahead. Yeah, that's right. Well, fingers crossed. Do you also think, um, because I always find sometimes bands or or tracks or things, how I like them are correlated to the venue that I saw them Mm. in, the experience of of that moment. And obviously you saw Hot Chip at the Forum last time, and the Forums are just a cracking Venue. It's I can be the best one. My favorite. Same. So, how much does place locate the importance of a story? Do you think? I think it's pivotal. I'm sure it works that way. Perhaps to a lesser extent for the bands performing there too. Yeah. I've been to a beautiful festival in Tasmania called the Panama Festival. It's just outside of Launceston. It's tiny. Only about 2,000 people go there. Yeah. Weenie. Family friendly. I've taken my kids and it's just beautiful. It's set on this farm that backs onto rainforest. And I've seen a lot of bands there and that's been part of the experience. It's this ancient place that they're playing in. And you see the bands come out onto stage and often they will say, look where we are. (laughs) This is unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then you'd like to think that they'd play out of their skins, but I mean, God, imagine being a touring musician. That would be relentless. Yeah, exactly. I exhausting. Think that's probably why Hanging Rocks become such an interesting venue and yeah. just anything that there's a natural amphitheatre and, and your nature and the music, it all sort of comes together, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. But the Forum's one of those venues. It doesn't matter what genre of music I see there, where I'm standing or sitting, who I'm with. Mm. There's always a moment when I look up at that beautiful blue ceiling. Yes. And you have a real moment of, oh, God, this place is amazing. It is. So it is my favourite. Agreed. Awesome, Tam. Thank you so much. Um, I think that's an awesome list. Um, thank you for sharing. And remember, Tam's Spotify playlist is in the episode's notes of the show. If you're enjoying our podcast, or even if you're not, please subscribe and give <laughs> us a good rating, five stars or more. Be just fine. This has been Songs in the Key of Life. Thanks for listening. The first album you ever bought? The first album I ever bought was Cindy Lauper Girls Just Want to Have Fun. What, what else was on that album? Time After Time. Great. Um, She's So Unusual. The falsetto in Time After Time always gets me still. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of overdub. Oh, what else? I can almost remember the order of songs because I listened to it so many times as a kid, but it was a cassette tape. Nice.